0: For 15% off one year of all you can read, watch, and hear. I know this sounds weird, but just follow along here for a moment. I want you to close your eyes and think of Conan O'Brien. In your mind, you're probably picturing a tall, lanky Irishman with carrot colored, poofy hair, a pointed nose, and a big Cheshire Cat like smile. I don't need to tell you what he looks like because Conan is one of the most famous talk show hosts in America. Now, there's a reason I note this about his fame, and it's one we're going to get to in today's podcast. But before we begin, let's keep playing. Keeping your eyes closed, imagine walking into a set of offices on a Los Angeles film lot, and everywhere you look, there are pictures of Conan. There are posters of him on the wall. As you walk down a hallway, there are photos of him stuck to cubicles. There's even a bobblehead of him on someone's desk. Well, welcome to Conan O'Brien's studio on the TBS lot, where I'm sitting right now. You can probably guess why I'm here, so without further ado, you're listening to Inside the Hive. I'm your host, Nick Bilton, and my guest today is none other than Conan O'Brien. Thanks for coming on the show today. Well, I think this is your, your time to, to come clean. Uh, do you regret voting for Donald Trump? Uh, look,
1: I always back the winner, and I think I made the right call. <laughs> um, no,
0: so you and, I, you and I met in San Francisco at a dinner— right mm-hmm. um and donald trump was not president yet Mm-mm. uh and we got into a conversation about um uh we didn't actually think he was going to be president is that correct at the time no one did no actually. one did if you look
1: Except- at the new york times uh headlines in the months before trump was uh, elected every headline is trump win an impossibility
0: yeah it was it was like 10% uh yeah. Um, chance of, of him winning. So, uh, so you and I got into this discussion about um, how it was bizarre that, that there was even a possibility that a celebrity, which is what he he was, yeah, it still is, maybe, um, sure, could be president. And and you had uh, you had this fascinating theory about celebrity uh, that you wanted to write for the New England Journal of Medicine. Is that is that correct? It's a theory I've
1: been working on for a long time, which is. Uh, This theory I have that uh, fame uh, alters uh, biochemistry and probably uh, biology to some degree, and that it's uh, in a sense a very powerful drug, and uh, and that it should not be allowed. uh, Children should not be allowed to have uh, fame. That it's like giving them a very powerful cocaine.
0: And so, so do you, so what are the repercussions of it? Uh, what is, is it, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Michael Jackson that.
1: Yeah. My theory is that, uh, when people are exposed to intense fame early on, uh, you know, every drug, uh, every narcotic has its side effects, uh, alcohol, uh, is one of the best drugs in the world at taking away shame, apparently. Mm -hmm. It neutralizes the shame center of the brain almost immediately, which is why people act a certain way when they're drunk. Uh, and um, Dancing on
0: tables. Yeah, having
1: children, um, (laughs) investing in Florida real estate. And uh, I had this theory that um, I thought of a while ago, which was that uh, fame, well, it's not really a theory, but fame removes gravity. It, it takes the gravity out of a uh, person's existence. That, and, and people would say, well, uh, what do you mean exactly? And I, and I like to use analogies. And I would say I once saw a footage, and this is something I kind of want to write up one day, but I once saw footage of um, Russian cosmonauts landing on the steppes, you know, the, the tundra uh, in the Urals or something. Uh, the, our astronauts land in the Pacific Ocean which is the way it's supposed to be done, in a parachute. And they splash down, and we fish them out of the sea. Uh, But the Russians
0: wanted to make it look good.
1: The Russians, well, they have no choice. They have to land on the steps. So what they did is they had them land, and they would pull them out of their capsule. And the Russians, because they couldn't beat us getting to the moon, what they did is they uh, had their cosmonauts stay in space for a really long period of time and say, we beat the Americans. Our cosmonauts have been up there for three years, whatever. These cosmonauts would land, they'd take them out of the capsule and they would lay them out on these reclining chairs and interview them and they couldn't move. They were like jellyfish because- Because they've been up in
0: space for so they'd long. They've been up in
1: space for so long and people wondered, what is that? Why, are they, why do we become jellyfish if we're in space for so long? And they realized that you actually need- gravity uh to stack the calcium appropriately in our bones you actually need uh and we know this now but you need gravity and you need resistance to create strong bones and without it our bones turn to jelly and that's when i had this realization for some reason looking at those cosmonauts lying there like freaks like jellyfish that they had they were great uh, metaphors for celebrity. That they had had all of their gravity removed, and that's basically what happens to people. Like, we'll just name most celebrities. There's no gravity in their life. They have nothing pushing back on them.
0: And so the repercussions are that they. What do they think that they are? Greater than they? What What are the
1: repercussions of that? I think it's, uh, um, you know, a million things. First of all, what's interesting is that I say it's a metaphor. But you look at so many celebrities and they do actually physically become kind of freakish. It's true. That is and very they, true. And they start altering their appearance and they start having surgeries and they start, uh, you know, in Elvis's case, uh, eating way too much and just gorging themselves on sugar and fat and there's nothing pushing back on them. No one's saying no. They start taking uh, pharmaceuticals. They, they, there's no one to stop them. And so what happens is they actually sometimes start to really resemble freaks. The cosmonauts. Know? Yeah. And so so has, this, has this happened to you? Oh, God, no. I'm not famous enough. Uh, I have very wisely uh, tempered my fame. Well, I did that intentionally. I could have been a much bigger star. Um, well, you're pretty – I mean there was, a, there was a, uh, a market research study that was
0: done in, uh, about celebrities. And I believe it was 74% of Americans
1: recognize you. Um, right.
0: I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty famous. They I mean-
1: recognize me, but of seventy four percent, I looked into that study. Sixty four percent violently dislike me. Now that's gravity. <laughs> I'm constantly having to run uh, <laughs> and dodge. No, but
0: okay. Come on, let's be realistic. You, okay. you are a very. Well-known, yes. famous individual. Thank so, you. how have you? Uh, very good-looking.
1: Um, well, it's not get crazy. Uh, fin how, lipped beady-eyed. Uh, but okay, what I what, I have what, a bunch. What is and
0: I and I truly, truly I mean, I, I I've you know interacted with a lot of people over the years, and and I've never had a conversation about the detriments of celebrity with someone who is a celebrity. It's usually them bragging about how they're a celebrity.
1: So, what, what is different? Well, uh, I have a bunch of things going for me. Um, I did not become recognized on the street until I was 30 years old. And that was- I had just turned 30. It was April of 1993. I had been named the late night host. I was a writer on The Simpsons, writer, producer. What
0: what happened? Were you walking down the street and someone- And
1: I had just been announced the day before. Literally the day before, my picture was everywhere. And I remembered I was going to meet, I think, Robert Smigel- uh, down in uh, you know, my first head writer and a guy I've worked with many times, genius. I, I went uh, to meet him in Santa Monica and I got out of my, I don't know, my car, parked my car and got out and I walked about three steps and a guy stopped me and said, hey, you're that guy, that TV guy. And he recognized me. And how did that feel? Um, at the moment, it felt kind of, it didn't feel bad. It doesn't feel bad at first. It actually feels kind of, good. Uh, it can feel good. It yeah. can feel, um, and, and that in itself isn't the problem. The problem is, um, what if I had been eight years old or 10 years old or 15 years old? What if I had not fully developed as a person? Yeah, um, I had a bunch of things going for me, which is I had just turned 30. So I had 30 years on the planet of have no one recognizing me. no on one recognizing me. I also um, have really good parents who are strong Catholics. And so I was imbued with like, think of, uh, think of um, rebar inside a concrete wall. That's a good I just metaphor. had like iron, steel rebar in me of how to behave, how to treat other people- and i do think uh and i had uh, i knew who my friends were and so i had a very strong sense of self so all those things combined but so so okay so if you walk down if you went to the grocery store if you go, do you go grocery shopping or mm-hmm. do, so do, do, yeah. it, it, let's it, say it, for the for the purposes of me looking like a regular joe yes i go okay so you go no go grocery, i do
0: go grocery shopping no shop so but sure. so I, i'm sure Five hundred people recognize you while you 're grocery shopping yes does that is it bother you is it exciting what, what your it's f- no
1: longer uh, is uh, it just like, oh, exciting God. because uh, i stick out meaning i 'm well, i'm six, six four, four and i 've got a, a Belgian pastry for hair and um, there's no i 've put on I, my wife has noticed this i 've put on hats and sunglasses and people just when I walk into a room it 's as if big bird from Sesame street put on a baseball cap and some sunglasses and was walking down the street, you'd be like, hey, Big Bird, yep. what's with the sunglasses and hat? That's what happens to me. So, But how does it make you feel? Is It is it, it doesn't feel, uh, you know, it, it feels, I think I'm built for it. I'm Got built it. for, I like people. Yeah. I like people, I enjoy them. I like to hear their stories. I like to, uh, I, I, I think it's genetic. I had a grandfather like this who apparently would just talk to anybody and everybody. I'm very comfortable around people. I don't feel um, physically threatened by people. Well, you're six four. I would, yeah, you know, and so I just of- I just feel like I I and I like is there
0: so so um you know and I'm asking you this because of this this theory right. you have on on fame but um is there is there a moment are, are there moments throughout the day where you think I wish I could just go to the park and not have someone talk to me or.
1: Yeah, I would say mostly it's, um, you know, and I'm not complaining again. I, you know, I'm, I'm a, a big believer in don't complain, meaning any celebrity very can- Very Irish Catholic of y- you. Yeah, but also it's realistic too. I can make it stop, yep. meaning I can stop doing this. I can do something else. And we have a very short attention span culture. And uh, I think I have a warm place in uh, comedy nerds' hearts. But I think you're. You, G- a few months from now, you could be walking down the street and people would be like, "What's that?
0: Guy? I remember that guy yeah. looks familiar." Let's well, it's
1: take, it's take a little longer than a couple of months, no, but it's gonna. But it is going to uh, erode. I can make it go away, uh, or I can diminish it a lot. I happen to really like what I do, and um, the only thing that's changed is the selfie. The selfie the- has changed everything. And you ask any person who's known. And the first thing they'll talk to you about is the selfie. Is be- how everyone comes up to you on the street and wants to take a selfie? They, they want a selfie, and then what happens is there's a phenomenon where people see you taking a selfie, and they may not even care about you that much, but they see other people getting something, and it's human nature to say, hey, that guy's giving away free gum. I don't even love gum, but I it's free, it's free. and I'd like a stick. So what happens sometimes is there'll be a couple of – people that are genuinely excited, and then you can see people that are like, yeah, why not? But they don't know how to work their camera. They uh, they want to make, sh- they're not happy with, with the first hair. click. Yeah. They want another one. And I am very patient and uh, very accommodating and then sometimes it just gets kind of crazy because people you, will you, just line up. And then what, what do you do? I do mostly you? just take them, I take selfies until there's no one left. And uh, I really do. <laughs> wow. I, I um, you know, How the does, idea of someone walking, and this is a flaw, a character flaw of mine. I'm not, this is not a humble brag. This is actually a character flaw is I worry too much about, you know, someone having, and I got this from my mom, but no one can have, can think poorly of you. And my dial in that direction has, has been set too high. Meaning if there's 300 people there taking selfies with 299, but not the 300th, I'm going to be thinking later on, is that 300th person think I'm a jerk? And so, um, that's an unhealthy reason to do it. So, so going back to this, this celebrity concept. So one of the things that um, that
0: has we've seen happen, especially over the last decade, and, and you've lived through this. Is that um, uh, you know there was there was a time thirty years ago where people were famous to a certain amount of people, and now it seems that you are famous to everyone um, because of digital media, internet, social media, blah 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 blah. Um, you know, as you as you look at the tr- that trend with you know people being able to broadcast themselves, and mm-hmm. and there is there is there is this this, you know, irresistible appetite by teenagers to want to be famous. I mean, there was a study yeah. that was done, um, I forget who did the study, but there was a study that was done uh, over many decades. And, you know, in the 60s, they asked kids, what do you want to be? And, oh, I, I want to be a doctor when I grow up. In the 70s, it was, I want to be a pilot. Yeah. Fast forward to today, I want to be famous. Yeah. Um, what do you think it's doing to society?
1: Well, uh, I – I don't know what it's doing to society. I never know what the, what the overall effect is going to be. And I'm suspicious of people who say they know. Uh, I do. I have noticed um, uh, that over the years, more and more young people come up to me and young people always come up and say, I want, I'm going to be on your show someday. And I used to say, Oh yeah. What is it you do? And they'd say, well, I'm working on my rap career or I'm an actress, or I'm a writer, but more and more over time, they would just say that I don't know. I'm just going to be famous. Meaning, how they got there does what didn't matter. What's your response? Uh, well, uh, I try and sleep with them if it's possible <laughs> and if they're of age. No, I, uh, I, you know the. I mean, I don't lecture them there on the spot about. But what is that? What is what is that, what it you know? says to me is that I've noticed this all the time. You say more people are famous, and I say yeah, more people are famous, but it means less. Meaning, um, you know, there used to be uh, a handful of famous people. Literally, Clark Gable yeah. and about seven other people were 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 really famous in the 1930s. Clark Gable being the most famous, you know? But it really did feel that way. Like there's, and and people in the 1930s, I remember uh, Albert Brooks was talking to me once about this and he's, you know, he in his Albert Brooks way, he said, you know, in the 1930s, people said, uh, he said, uh, Clark Gable will be, is the face of the 20th century, the most famous man. And then by 1960, who's thinking about Clark Gable, Gable? You know, oh, oh, he's in the Misfits and then he had a heart attack. and But he's, you know- People didn't realize, people were declaring that Rudy Valley was going to be one of the most famous faces of the 20th century in the 1920s. And they were not realizing that um, we were going to start churning out many more famous people (laughs) than we would know what to do with. If you walk through a supermarket line now, I don't know who anybody is. I look at magazine covers and they're all reality stars, and it's jo- Joanne and Chad, you know, talk about their recent breakup or the stars of Flip Flop uh, are at it again. And I don't know what they're talking about. And I'm not, you know, I watch television. I, I'm, I'm trying to partake in the culture, but I don't know, I don't know those shows. Yeah. And there's So now there's more famous people than ever before. But famous for being famous. Famous for being famous, you don't even know what it is they do, and it would be hard to say later on. Your work, Chloe Kardashian, has really fallen off. I liked your early work better. I mean, who would say that? You know. Um, so,
0: so you you have two kids, right? Yeah. And how old are they now? They're thirteen and eleven. Do you let them use social media? To I mean, are they allowed to broadcast themselves? And no,
1: no, we are, we, we don't. I mean, uh, we have a daughter who's allowed to like within a. She's allowed to post. She's an artist. She likes to. She she's very good uh, at uh, drawing, painting, and she's allowed to show what she's working on to her friends on you know Instagram. But she's not allowed to broadcast it to the world. And you know, my theory and my wife's theory is kids should be kids for as long as possible.
0: And have you do you, are you uh, does it worry you when you see this trend happening? And or I think what worries me is
1: the which would worry any parent is. Uh, when you have kids, um, it's so funny, but the idea of their feelings being hurt is 1,000 times more painful to you than the the notion that your own feelings would be hurt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Meaning completely. I, I, have I, a, I have a two-year-old. And yeah. yeah, so the idea that someone would bully your kid or say something mean to them or that or that they would read on a post something unflattering about them makes me want to throw up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so sensitive on their behalf that it would just kill me. So that's difficult because uh, it's mean out there. It's the anonymity of the internet has made it incredibly mean. And I think... Um, so do you... Uh, so part of the reason why your daughter's account is
0: private for that reason, do, does, does it, in, in in the opposite respect... Does it bother your children when people say mean things about you?
1: You know, they haven't – it's interesting. They haven't uh, really experienced that. I mean, they – Does it bother you? When people say mean things about me? Yeah, or you just like whatever. No, no. That's interesting. I I was talking to someone once, and they said, boy, to do what you do, you know, you got to have talent and a really thick skin. And this person was assuming that I have a thick skin, and I have an extremely thin skin. I'm very thin-skinned. I – my body temperature changes if, you know, I I read something about myself that's unflattering. It's no different. I didn't get a tougher skin. And uh, that has, you
0: haven't developed over, no, the, over no, 30 and years? And, and
1: so what I do is I don't read. Um, fortunately, over the years, many more nice things have been said about me than mean things, but I'd made a conscious choice at a certain point to not read either one. I just, I, I don't eat the sugar. And I I don't eat the uh, the bitter the the bitter stuff. I just decided
0: that is a, that is the uh, from a lot of people I've spoken. I mean, I work in journalism, of course. People can say nasty mean things, and and uh, and that's the thing. You know, that don't feed the trolls and don't feed the nice people. You well, just I'm st- to...
1: I'm stunned by how many people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Gary Shandling uh, uh, before he passed away. Uh, obviously, a few years before he passed away. I think I was interviewing him and then afterwards he was telling me, you know, after the last interview I did with you, uh, I went online to see what people thought and some people thought it was really funny, but other people were saying these really mean things about my appearance and it upset me. And I said, Gary, why are you reading the internet? I would do last thing I would ever do in my life is go read the bathroom wall scribbling that is the internet because...
0: Have you ever, though? I mean, have you, I mean, have you do, you, do you, okay, so your, you know, your YouTube videos, some of them will get tens of millions of views. Do you pay attention to those numbers? Do you pay attention to any of that The stuff? numbers,
1: what, what I am aware of is... Uh, meaning I'm not completely in a vacuum because I think that would be dangerous too. So I have a really good group of people around me that I've had for a long time and I don't have yes men. I have, uh, I have a bunch of no men and women around me (laughs) that constantly um, give me resistance. And uh, you know, I am aware when something I do is really successful and liked uh, if Trust me, if I did something that people hated or outraged people, I'd know within seconds because people would come into the room and go, that thing you just tweeted out or that thing we did last night really upset people and I'd be made aware of what the feelings were. But I don't go looking for it myself because I think it's just too easy to get lost. You can just get lost in the weeds. Was of-
0: there a dis- d- definitive moment that happened to you where you you know read a review of something or an event that was took pretty place? pretty
1: early on when I realized that and this is i mean early 90s i realized that obviously replacing david letterman um the whole ex- the whole situation that i that i walked into and chose to walk into and uh, and knowing that i had a lot of growing to do and i had to do it on the air in front of people and uh i was aware that there was going to be a lot of negativity and i just decided Then, I mean, we're talking 93, 94 at a certain point, I just decided- Pre-Twitter. Well, yeah, this is all, I decided I just want to focus on the work. And all I wanted, what helped me a lot, what's helped me a great deal is focusing on all I ever wanted out of this was a, a body of work. That was my focus, and it's still my focus. Add to that body of work. isn't isn't
0: okay. So, but 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 isn't you know? I have friends that are critics for mm-hmm. the New York Times and Washington Post and so mm-hmm. on, and and you know, there's a purpose for what they do. Um, right. You may not. We may not like the things they do sometimes and the things right. they say, uh, but it is to kind of to inform culture and and so on and so forth. And and um and you know, I write books, and 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 part of me wants to know what the critics think part of me doesn't um whether it's good or bad but part of me wants to know so i can learn as a as an artist if you will
1: is, uh, is, would, i don't know that that uh i don't know i mean it may work for different people i know that in a very broad sense it helps you know when i started traveling my show a couple of years ago and going to cuba and recently went to mexico and there was a lot of It was not lost on me that there was a lot of positive. We really like seeing Conan in this environment and we like seeing him out of the studio. And I got a lot of positive affirmation for it. I didn't personally go and read all of it, but my staff was really happy and there were, you know, they would quote to me things about how, Oh, this one thing, the headline was this. And I'd say, Oh, that's, that's nice. So in a broad sense, but what I was going off of more is that it felt right to me. Meaning, if the press had said, "We don't like Conan going to uh, to North Korea," or "We don't like Conan going to uh, Cuba," I would have said, "Well, that's weird because it feels really good." Well, to- and the response has been phenomenal. Yeah, but I but I guess what I'm but trying yeah, to see, say I is that what, what I'm it, trying to say is that the there's a point where I have a um it's nice to know that when what feels right to me feels right to the press but i did have the experience early on in the early 9 in, in 93 94 of people saying we don't like what this guy is doing and then a bunch of them changing their minds later on and me thinking well what if i had listened to them i mean so what
0: so okay so if you, let's just say for argument, for the people listening out there that one day want to grow up and 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 be Conan and not be Conan for being famous, but right. be Conan for the the create, creative side of things. If you were starting out today in the age of social media, um, what would you? How would you approach it?
1: You know, in that respect, with probably the- not that different. I would not be. I would counsel people, and I really mean this to. Um, to develop a really hard, develop your inner compass, develop your inner compass. What do you want to do? How you want to do it? And don't be overly reliant on what someone on Twitter thinks you should be doing because you will be lost. I mean, if William Faulkner had been reading Twitter, you know, uh, when sound and the fury came out and the first five comments were, I don't get this who's who and it seems to be way out of time and why are the voices so different and how come these sentences are so long? He might've stopped. Right. I mean, he's, you know, it's absurd. All of the world's great work has been done, you know, in a vacuum by pe- people that are uh, toiling away somewhere and they do something magnificent and they are unaware uh, you know, Van Gogh was completely ignored, and you know I'm not in any way uh, comparing myself to, to what I do to, to those people, but I think the concept is the same. The concept is the same, which is you have to know what you want to do, and you have to do it. And yes, there's a difference between constructive criticism from people you trust and just randomly. Hearing the opinions of people you'll never meet.
0: Last question on this topic before we move on. Um, do, you know, when you look at, um, you know, like the YouTube videos that you do with, um, you know, with Ice Cube and mm-hmm. in the car and so on, when they do very, very well, does that does that want you, push you to, to do more of that?
1: No, that's the problem with me uh, <laughs> in this age is that I almost go the other way and think, well, we did that, so I can't do it again. And of course, um, that can be stupid <laughs> because sometimes. So why you, not? Why not say okay? Well, this is
0: work. I mean, uh, the insult comic dog, yeah, um, was was an amazing, yeah, brilliant thing. And but you the jokes to would change
1: it. every time, and the situation would change every time. Uh, you know, I remember it after we did the Ice Cube uh, Kevin Hart thing. People saying you should you should just. You know, this was before uh, I think uh, uh, James Corden was doing his the singing in the car. And people were saying to me, like, you should just drive around in a car and do more stuff in a car. And I'd be like, no, we did the car. <laughs> <laughs> we did one of those. And it's like, well, you know, uh, James, who I like a lot, and these are very talented guys, you know, show, like, there's just, people the, have different philosophies and, my, and everyone has to approach it their own way. And um, I, uh, you know, sometimes, um, get very stubborn about thinking we did that. Most of the really successful bits that I did in the first incarnation of my show, the late night show, I could have taken to TBS. I just decided not to. I thought, well, I did those. And if I don't do year 2000 staring contest, you know, if they made it, the list goes on and on these bits that we did that were very successful for us i said let's just not do as many of those as possible because it will force us to reinvent this you're listening to inside the hive with nick bilton this
0: episode of inside the hive is brought to you by SeatGeek, an app i personally use which is by far the easiest way to find tickets for sporting events broadway shows music festivals and concerts all instantly on your smartphone SeatGeek searches multiple ticketing sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. Then they help you find the best value for your money by grading every ticket to identify the best seats that fit your budget. Perhaps most importantly, every single purchase is fully guaranteed on SeatGeek, so you can shop for tickets known that they're not fakes. Best of all, listeners of Inside the Hive get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase today. So just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code HIVE, that's H-I-V-E, and you'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase today. Once again, the SeatGeek app and the promo code is HIVE, H-I-V-E. So you've been doing this 30 years now. Um, Uh,
1: Well, let's see. I've been in comedy 31 years. I've been doing this show 24. Did you, you know, you were were in a writer's
0: room before you were behind Mm -hmm. a desk in front of a camera. Yeah. Was your dream to do the former or the latter?
1: What was, what was... The dream was always to be completely in show business as much as I could, meaning I always wanted to get closest to the white hot center. And I remembered when I started in show business... Being on the periphery, I worked on a show called Not Necessarily the News, and I was in a room, just like the room we're in right now, that was very sterile and antiseptic. And my job was to sit there with some other writers and bang out sight gags. I never met the cast. I was never on set. You never met the
0: cast? Wow. Well,
1: we'd meet them once a year or something at a Christmas party. But it was very antiseptic, and I remember thinking at the time, this isn't what I want. What I, if I'm going to be in show business, I want to really be in vaudeville. I really wanna be in show business. And so I kept skirting around the periphery and then Saturday Night Live, when when I got the job there, I remembered thinking I'm getting closer.
0: So when you got the job at Saturday Night Live, you you go into the writer's room, are you thinking I wanna be out
1: on the stage? No, it was interesting, yeah. I very much wanted to, I was interested in performing, but I was not jealous, I was very aware that what Dana Carvey does, uh, you know, and what, um, uh, you know, John Levitz does is different from what I do. I always knew that my way of being funny had to be connected to my personality. And so, so when an I was at Sound Live, one example was I was on the uh, eighth floor doing Sound Out Live and down on the sixth floor in 6A, David Letterman was doing his show. And this is the eighties. And that was, I had the, I had the Letterman fever. I mean, like all of us, I really thought that he, you know, between sort of 1982 and, and, and uh, you know, and the rest of the eighties, I think he kind of split the atom and that was very exciting. And so I was working at Starnat Live and much closer to what I wanted to be doing. Cause I was at Starnat Live, you're there one day and they put you in a room with Steve Martin and say, pitch your idea. Wow. And he's really there. Wow. And it's really Steve Martin. And he's listening to you. And, and is it terrifying? It's terrifying. Uh, but um, it's still terrifying. Uh, just having a dessert with him. Uh, but
0: <laughs> um, He almost ran me over once, so
1: th- there's a whole separate story there. Oh, okay. Well, you probably deserved it. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, And at out Live, you're running under the bleachers to fix the cue card seconds before – your sketch goes on and the band's playing and you're backstage. I was backstage holding a horse and I'm in a sketch with Tom Hanks. A real horse? Yeah. Holding a real horse by the reins. And I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for, for to do my line with Tom Hanks live in front of, you know, 10 million people and Keith Richards, comes up and starts talking to me because he's the musical guest and he thinks that I'm the guy that owns the horse and he's telling me, horses are the ones that save civilization and I'm, I can't, it's all so surreal. And I thought, damn, I'm almost at the very center. I am kind of at the center, but still not quite. And then I got the chance to try the late night thing and it was a, I'm not an insane person. I had a very healthy fear of how badly I could get hurt. And how badly ba- it could all go. How badly
0: you could get hurt. In what respect that your career I would could, end, I could, yes,
1: that I could go and be the famous disaster who took over for Letterman with no experience and become a trivia question.
0: Okay, so so you so your goal back then is to get to the White Hot Center. What happens when you get there? Are you are you satisfied? Do you want more?
1: Is you it, want it to last? You want it to last. Uh, um, and, you, do you, and do you, you want, it, want it to last? my goal for the first couple of years on late night, really for the first five years was I am going, I need to survive. I need to survive and I need this show to work because if it doesn't, I'm the guy that, it, that failed, you know, and I, and I've got, I want, I so desperately want this thing to work that I would have, you know, I used to tell people you could shoot me in the stomach with a 38 caliber revolver. And I will still just before, just as the music for my entrance is playing, and I will still go out and do this show, and I will keep doing this show, and I'll have surgeries in between shows, but I'm doing these shows, and they're going to get better and better, and, and it's going and, to work. And th- but there's there's some fuel that is driving you is that
0: and that that is literally to entertain to.
1: I think for yeah, I think it was I I really had this religious. I said you know I grew up uh, very Catholic, and I had a religious belief that was challenged constantly that I could do this and that I should be doing it. And I don't, I cannot tell you where that comes from. Uh, it was just this idea that I had as a kid. So, I had this, you know, I, a friend recently found and sent it to me. A I, I went to summer camp up in New Hampshire, Crag and Mountain Farm, and I was in cabin one and I was, it was 1975, so I was 12 years old, and we all had to write a little scrapbook for our cabin, and some guy found it and sent my entry, and I just saw this a couple of weeks ago. What was ago. the entry? My entry said, if I had to describe my cabin, I would say it's a lot like a late-night talk show.
0: Wow. And how, and how that's old were
1: you then? 12. 12. And I'm talking about how- And
0: we, so we, we, in the cabin at 12 years old, are you performing? Yes.
1: I was always performing. Always performing. Always performing for my friends. And, and did
0: you, uh, did they get sick of it? Did you get sick of it? Was it just- No. They all It was loved my,
1: it? you know, on a Darwinian level, you know what your strength is. You're hyper aware as a child mm-hmm. of what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. And I was hyper aware and you- I think every kid does this. Everyone does this. They run through their checklist and some kids early on know I am really good at sports. And then they like, you know what I'm really good at is baseball. And they hone in on that. Other kids know I am really good at science. And how did you decide for what you were good at? I just, it was process of elimination. There was a lot that I wasn't good at, not a good athlete. Uh, girls were not looking my way i really liked girls but they weren't that interested in me but then i knew early on that i could make people laugh that i could do that i believe everybody runs through their checklist and i ran through mine and there was a lot of things that i didn't have but i intuitively knew how to kind of make my friends laugh
0: and so if you so you, so, okay so you've gone from 12 years old the goal the white hot center you get through it you're here today what is what's what's next like what's the goal 10 years from now
1: you know it's it gets trickier when you have kids you and you get older and you start to um you know in some ways get a little more philosophical and see the broader picture of you know absolutely my kids are more important to me than no question my late night television show um, and my wife is more important to me than my late-night television show. And then you start to think, does that mean that it's either or, or can you find a way to still make the comedy good but have a great relationship with your family and find balance? And it's a constant struggle. Um, but, you know, I talked to Stephen Colbert on the phone yesterday, and we mostly were talking about kids. You know, we're, and, you know, I he's... Uh, he had kids a lot younger than I did and his kids are in college, but it wasn't either or. I used to really think it had to be either or. And I was single for a long time. I was not married. I, I married late and I had kids late because I just thought-
0: It was comedy or nothing. Yes. And, and now you're now questioning my goal, if it's-
1: No, my goal now is to constantly find ways to take what it is I do and stretch it and maybe grow it. And for example, uh, if five or 10 years from now, because TV is changing so rapidly, I might not have a late night TV show, but I might have something that you can get on the internet where I go to different countries and I'm sort well, of that's a comedic it, ambassador and that might be – Really fascinating for me.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. I, I I was I used to be at the New York Times, and um, when the whole Jay Leno stuff happened, I I wrote a piece uh, which I'm sure you didn't read, unless it's cut out on your refrigerator at home now, um, about how you shouldn't have gone to a network. You should go t- and start your own web right. series. Um, right. Bill O'Reilly, the guy from Fox who was on Catch to Catch a Predator, um, right. uh, he's just announced that he's you know he's going to to do his own web show. Do you, do you regret? Coming I mean, of course, you don't regret coming to TBS, but do you think that that that's eventually the the way you'll end up is yeah is well, dot
1: com or I think it it's irrelevant. I, I think it doesn't matter at a certain point. I was really glad I mean, I think a lot of people thought during the Jay Leno thing that I was going to go to T, uh, to Fox that was the big and I remember it intentionally thinking, no, I'm not doing that again. Mm-hmm. Um, what I loved about coming here was this is the closest thing to a hybrid, meaning I can have the show and have the platform but also build the digital and in a way and have, and we have complete control over it and autonomy. And that has been the big revelation of this show is being able to do both. I, I think the linear versus digital thing has got to go away and you've got to realize that it's all one piece. It's, it's uh, and and at a certain point, I don't care how people experience me, I have, uh you know fans in taiwan i've i'm not on the air in taiwan i have fans in korea that dub the show fan clubs and they trade the videos that i do the travel videos or the videos i do with jordan schlansky our a producer Ryan Sultan, in restaurants and we have misadventures together they translate those for each other um you know, it's getting to the point where it's irrelevant to where me. It doesn't
0: even matter. It doesn't what, matter it's, it's to not, me.
1: Yeah, I just want people to see the stuff.
0: Um, last couple of questions, uh, and, and then we'll let you get get to your show. Um, uh, do you turn off? Are you uh, you know like do you uh, at home in bed at night? Do you do you sit and read a book, or do you yeah, are You're just I'm, telling jokes to your wife, no, no, and no. she's like, I'm, "Shut up!" I'm, or
1: I'm well. The answer is both. I read. I do read books, but I'm always. um... You know, uh, there are I mean, every are, time are, I've met
0: you and it's only been a couple of times, but you it's uh, you're constantly hilarious
1: and there's always a you know. I am one of those people that this is what you get. Uh, there's two types of comedians. there's the I, I want to say maybe the the Woody Allen type where when they're on, they're on, but when they're not they're they're almost if you see them from afar, they look almost morbid. Yep. and there's a lot of comedians like that, and then there are comedians who that's just who they are. And I'm in the second group, meaning I um, I could be on a, a, a bus, you know, uh, headed you know to some small town, riding with a bunch of other people with my cardboard suitcase, and I'd be working the people on the bus. I don't think in an annoying way, but I'd be trying to find the commonality there. I'd be trying to joke around and uh, um, and make people laugh, and I enjoy it. I like it. So if you were to go back uh, 20 years, Mm -hmm. um,
0: you had some – built some some rapid time machine, Mm -hmm. and you had an opportunity to sit down with Conan O'Brien 20 years ago and give him some advice, what would you say?
1: I love that if I had a time machine – That's all you would do is talk to yourself. I know. I love that the uh, assumption, and I think it's correct, is that uh, I'd I'd be such a narcissist – that I wouldn't go back and try and save lives and, or, and, or, and end calamities or uh, ruin
0: Donald Trump's career. Right, I you, wouldn't
1: do anything like that that might save humanity. I would go back and have a sit down with myself. No, well, you know, uh, it's, it's the only way the time machine works. That's 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 one of the caveats. I would tell myself uh, the one the big lesson I've learned in my career: you really have nothing to lose. You have. I shouldn't say you have nothing to lose. You have much less to lose than you think. And I uh, was always so careful and mindful of not making a mistake and so intense and worried about a misstep. And the perspective I've had since is that things go your way, things don't go your way the sun shines, it rains, it has sometimes very little to do with you. And that's if you're working really hard all the time. So I would say, you know, take chances, take more chances. I mean, I did take a lot of chances, but I would say if anything, take more. Uh, you have, um, and I, I think that's something that uh, people need to, I, I try to counsel young people is especially early on in your career, take some, Take Some big swings because you can, especially when you're young in your 20s and early 30s, you can recover from those. And you can, it's a cliche, you can learn from them. And but it's true, it really is true. It's uh, um, might as well do it now. All
0: right, so we can take the time machine and go and uh, end Donald Trump's career. Should we, should we do it? No, you can't meddle
1: with history. Uh, his election uh, was, uh, f- you know willed by god and uh <laughs> it's uh it's the destiny of the american people uh you know no i'm not a believer in changing I'm, anything in history you can't uh he's what we've got now and my god he's he's i don't even have to write monologues anymore i'm sure they write themselves yeah well thank you so much
0: for taking the time to chat yeah with this was really, really fun yeah thank yeah you. no problem Thanks to my guest, Conan O'Brien. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there, preferably a good one. Thanks to the folks at Digital Media for their production work, to my editors at Vanity Fair, and of course, thanks to our sponsor today, Geek. Please support them the way you support this podcast. And I will see you next week with another amazing guest.